Supply Chain Broadcast. This is episode 5. This week we visited two different roastery operations. The first located in Mathare in Nairobi, the second in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Let's look at the place in Mathare first, Ozone Ethio. Ozone Ethio is a small cafe that also roasts its own coffee. The owners, Tolkatun and Machu Abdullah, are descendants of the nomadic Burji tribe, who live in northern Kenya and southern Ethiopia. Tolkaton takes care of running the cafe, whilst Machu Abdullah focuses on the roasting, which is done using a traditional pan-roasting technique. All the coffee they roast is sold in the cafe. We asked them where they usually source their coffee from. She normally sources from the, from the farmers, the small-scale farmers, all the way from farm and sell it here. Like 100 kg, 80 kg. Sometimes she can buy at a Kenyan shilling 200 to even to 400 per kg. Depend on the season. We showed them the green beans we had been given at the coffee exchange to see how they compared to the beans they were used to. They checked the diverse graded bean that we brought. Normally, the best green bean they can get are equivalent to grade A, B. They said the roasting can transform the quality of bean. Speaking of roasting, why don't we find out what the roasting process is like at Ozone Ethio? First, wash the bean. Second, Put the beans on the pan, which is heated by burning charcoal from an acacia tree. Third, stir the bean till the bean have right color. Not yet. I'm asking when is it ready? She can roast 50 kg a day. See, when you sit here, you feel that heat radiation. It's not good if you stay for long here. Fourth, when the color is good, move the bean onto a metal tray to cool. Number five, then it's ready to grind. She's using a lot of energy to crush it. It is better we use machine for lesser time, lesser energy. Lastly, number six, put the ground coffee into a bag where humidity cannot reach. After the roasting, they serve us coffee that was brewed in Jabina. It is part of the traditional ritual of greeting visitors. This was the second cup of coffee that we'd had with Tolkaton. The first was in the Ozone Ethio Cafe, and it was brewed using an espresso machine. I asked Tolka why he was using an espresso machine in the cafe rather than 
Jabina on the hot coal. You cannot serve so many customers. You cannot. Even the restaurant, we use machine. But the, the coffee itself is from this place. We also showed them the coffee that we had bought that was roasted in Europe, but Tolkien said... But you cannot use the co- coffee from Europe. Because it cannot taste like this one. Yeah, This has good, good taste. And another local commented... Yeah, this one tastes yeah. less. It's different than this and that. It's smell and tasteless. The local taste favours a dark roast. Tolkien told us the main customers of the cafe are... It's the local Kenyans, we don't have any foreigner. Yeah, most likely the people inside the area, most of them came from Ethiopia. That is what, uh, that's uh, our g- biggest customer. Uh, but you don't have any foreigners come here because here is a slums area. They don't like to come here, but we have the best quality coffee, even more than Java and the rest. Java is a chain of cafes in Nairobi that caters to the limited market of coffee drinkers. Mostly tourists, Tolkien added. Java coffee, yeah, I've tried. It's not, uh, it's not our class, and it's very expensive for nothing. And just they're selling the brand. After drinking coffee, we asked our usual set of questions. How much time do you have for breaks? Uh, once in a week we have a break because it's a tiresome job, as you see the process. How do the seasons affect your work? Seasons really affect us because of our political atmosphere. When there's a high political season, there's nobody come to a cave to take coffee, to drink. When do you feel fulfillment in your work? I feel my fulfillment when I get a lot of customers, when my business peaks. <laughs> Even she said when I, she roasted a lot of beans, that is what she gets fulfillment. How do you adjust your energy level to the working rhythm? So I sacrifice myself because it's not a simple job, it is really need the energy. What do you chat about between your colleagues? That's what my connection with mom, I give her the, the department of roasting, she assists me, and uh, that's what we discuss. Would you like to be connected to the rest of the supply chain? Yeah, I will. Why not? Because we have a good coffee, we like to connect to other world. If we get opportunity, we, we are up for it. The second roastery we visited, in Amsterdam, is called Spot On, and it's used by many of the specialty coffee businesses in the city. For example, Good Beans, who we met in episode one, roasts their coffee here. To learn about how it works, we met Steen and Lucas from Steen Beans. My name is Steen. I grew up in Kenya, in East Africa. I worked with farmers in 2015 in Rwanda, and I lived with a guy called John Paul. Uh, John Ball has two coffee washing stations and he supports Rwandan smallholder farmers. My name is Lucas O'Flynn. I've worked in coffee for 11 years. What I've done for the past two years now is work as a startup manager. When someone wants to start up a coffee shop, I help them set it up. I met Steen at a student investment fund night. There was a startup about coffee 
and Steen was helping them. And then we started talking, things kind of went from there. The coffee sh world is not so big. You eventually meet, <laughs> meet everyone uh, that works in coffee, in Amsterdam at least. So what we do right now is we buy John Paul's farmer's coffee and we bring it over to the Netherlands. We roast it and we sell it to cafes, restaurants, any business that's looking for good quality coffee. It's more of a collaboration and a partnership than just selling them coffee. Our coffee comes from Rwanda, an area called Imbarisi. We work with smallholder farmers to try and get them to improve the quality of the coffee. The average price for a kilogram of imported green beans in Amsterdam is 12 euros. Let's find out how those beans are roasted. Step 1. Weigh out the beans into 15 kilogram drums. The roaster has a 15 kilogram capacity. Step 2. Set the recipe on the computer, which will control the conditions in the drum. Step 3. Roast the beans in the drum. It is heated with gas and made from thick metal to ensure an even spread of heat. Step 4. Cool the beans and inspect for any Quakers. These are unripe cherries that have passed through the process stages. very important that coffee farmers only pick the ripest beans. That's one of the major challenges in Rwanda because coffee farmers are paid by weight. They want to pick everything off the tree so that they're able to get a payment. Step 5. Put the roasted beans through the sorting machine to remove any stones. Step 6. Load into reusable tops of 10 kilogram which can go to the cafes. Now let's hear Steen and Lucas's answers to our questions. How much time do you have for breaks? My roasting pattern is quite irregular. I have my monthly roast for my main clients. I also roast every now and then in smaller sizes, so I use the one kilo roaster to make sure that other clients that order get their coffee freshly roasted. How, How do, do the seasons, seasons affect your work? work? Well, uh, the seasons really affect the production of coffee. Um, but I would say uh, I really find the winter in Europe quite difficult, especially having grown up in Kenya and uh, quite a different uh, climate there. Um, so yeah, I find the winters here are a bit different, but then again, also uh, the consumption of coffee, I think, also tends to rise because people in the cold want to go to cafes and that. So in, it has its positives and negatives, I guess. When do you fulfill fulfillment, fulfillment in your work? In your work? When I see people being brought together by this product. So I really believe that coffee should be good quality but it should be inclusive for everyone. And I think a lot of the time, it's not really inclusive for everyone, you know? Uh, there's kind of these strange feelings when you go into these coffee bars that are not so welcoming, and it's very, like, streamlined. And I think coffee was created to bring people together rather than apart. So every side of the chain, like the farmers and that, I think it's really nice to connect them with the consumer and to also, I think, make an impact is my main uh, mission. 
Um, so that's where I get fulfillment if there is impact being made. How, How do you adjust your energy level? energy level to the working rhythm? Drink more coffee uh, in times that it's needed. That's actually how I deal with uh, most situations. I don't really adjust it. I think I just go with it. If the energy is low, so if it's a slow day, my energy usually also goes down. If it's a high energy, if it's very busy, I usually have a hot lot of energy. What do you chat about between your colleagues? Well, I don't really have colleagues. I work on my own, usually. So I would say my colleagues are more the farmers and my clients, basically. It's more, I'm a link in the chain. One of the big discussions that is always being had is about quality. It's also about how to support the farmers, how to get new clients. I think that's a major thing at the moment because without new clients and new partners, um, it's quite hard to support the farmers. I have to be able to do a certain amount of volume. Mostly I try to uh, keep it light and uh, keep it funny. Uh, making jokes is very important, I think. If I walk into a place and there's nobody laughing or nobody smiling, which is the case sometimes in uh, coffee bars, because they take it very, very seriously, I, I rarely enjoy myself. Do you feel a connection the rest to the rest of, of the, the supply chain? chain? where I'm quite different to a lot of the other roasters. Like a lot of roasters are Dutch and they go to Kenya or they go to Rwanda and they buy their coffee and then they leave. But for me, I think it's, yeah, that's where I'm from, you know? It's a, it's kind of going the other way. When I started working in coffee, it was a Simon Levert uh, franchise uh, shop. And Simon Levert is one of the oldest coffee roasters in Holland. They've always been very much on the forefront of trying to make sure that they pay farmers a, a fair amount of money and also communicating that. It's always been a very important uh, part of my uh, career choices is that I wanted to work for a certain type of coffee roaster because I knew that they were uh, dealing with a certain type of coffee from a certain type of origin. What would you say, say to another to member, another of, the supply member chain? of the supply chain? A question, a greeting, a random thought. My main question for a lot of coffee consumers those that go to uh, specialty coffee bars and that is do they really know the meaning of direct trade do they really know the meaning of fair trade do um, all of these impact stories and marketing stories do they really understand or do they have access to what these um, fair models basically do I think that's a really big uh, question that the consumer should be asking and demanding um, is more clarity and transparency in what exactly fair is, you know? Because a lot of the time, I think there's very good marketing stories, but the actual impact that's seen at origin is uh, quite small. And the consumer, I think, often gets sucked into, oh yeah, we have this, uh, this coffee that works with farmers and does this, but what is actually the impact for those farmers? I think that's really a, a core issue that isn't examined uh, properly.
That was another episode of Supply Chain Broadcast. Thank you very much to everyone at Ozonifio and Steen Beans. We'll be hearing more from Steen in the next episode. Speaking of which, where are we going for the next episode, Juhi? We're going to meet traders and logistic managers in both Netherlands and Kenya to piece together the last part of the supply chain. Doei! Ciao! Bye! Annyeong! Koheri!